All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Sober Talk with Rob. And obviously, I'm Rob. I know I've been MIA for a good minute. And the reason being is I've been, I wouldn't say in a dark place, but I've, I've been in this place where I've come to terms with the fact that I started running out of ideas and I also started running out of substance in this podcast. And the one thing I did not want to do was give whoever's listening a product that just did absolutely nothing for them. Because what I what I want ultimately is for everyone to get something out of the podcast that I put out there. I don't want to just make something because I feel like I have to since I've started this podcast. I want to make it because I could feel it in my heart, in my mind that this is what I want to do. I want to put my passion into it. So the last podcast I did was something that was burning in my mind for a couple months. And that's when I eventually I eventually um, put it into audio. It was something I was thinking about on my drive um, back to base. And I figured... This would make a really good podcast. I have a lot of talking points, most importantly, personal experience that I know a lot of people can relate to. And that's what I want. I don't want to just make a podcast that has no substance, no details. And the first two minutes, the listener is just like, yeah, fuck this. I'm going to go pull up some Joe Rogan or Nick Bear, whoever it might be. So... That's what I want to avoid. So if you're wondering where I've been at, that's what I've been doing and just been figuring out what it is I want to talk about. So I know it's been almost two weeks practically, but other than that, I've been doing good. Everything's been going solid. And what I want to talk about is a question that one of the old Marines I I, I served with and one of my old units, he uh, he asked me a really good question. He he, he called me um, after I was getting back from the gym, and we we talked on the phone for about an hour, probably about an hour and a half. And I was just sitting in in, in my truck, and we we're just talking about it. And it was such a good question that I just went off on a tangent. I mean, I'm talking like I went off just personal experience, um, the things I learned, and most importantly. What I wish I would have known, because I know it would probably help somebody else. And I figured, you know what? This would make a really good podcast. This would make really good substance. And I'm sure a lot of people will get a lot out of this. And I'm sure you guys will be able to re- relate to today's show. And most importantly, get take a lot away from it. Because I know this is something that is very relevant, especially with what's going on today and just the whole accountability issue. So the question I was asked and for a while I've been thinking about it, man, it's been like in my fucking head, just um, really, really, really kind of taking me away. So he said, Hey man, so I got this question. I I really want to know, what do you think when faced with adversity, How can you as a leader instill self-confidence, 
within your subordinates. So subordinates are obviously somebody who is subordinate to you. So think of it as you are a supervisor and you have your employees. You are a boss, you have your employees. In the military, you're a leader and you have your troops. So you're going to hear me kind of throw these words around a lot so that you guys can um, follow along, most importantly, understand what I'm talking about. And this can go for any kind of work environment. And what I'm going to talk about is things I wish that I knew when I first decided to step up as a leader and take care of young troops that were under my charge and, and mentor and guide them and do whatever it is I got to do. So this question was so important because instilling self-confidence, right? How do you do that? And I think the most important thing is understanding that no one, no matter what, is ever going to be a perfect leader. And that was something I never understood. When I joined the military, all I knew about leaders were they were, you know, they were hard fucking dudes. They didn't hesitate to get shit done. And most importantly, they were hard on the troops, but the troops respected them. But it wasn't from from what I knew based off the respect, it wasn't the respect that was like an honorary respect, if that makes sense. It was more of a I'm afraid of him, so I respect him. And that's what I knew. I didn't necessarily know the leader who went out of their way to take a lot of shit to protect us. I probably knew like two of those. And I didn't understand what that meant. So when it came time for me to like eventually stand up, stand up and take that leadership role. The one thing I wanted to make sure of was that I can teach, I can mentor, I can be a big brother and make sure that I just don't fail any of the guys under my charge. But what I didn't understand is that it's not about you anymore. And I'm sure everybody who's listening to this right now is probably like, yeah, no shit. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's plain and simple. Because for a while, um, as a junior enlisted in in, in, the, in the military, everybody knows that in, as a junior enlisted, you need to focus on yourself so that you can get promoted, make more money, and tell people to shut the fuck up. That's what I was always told. I was, it was just ran in my fucking mind. It was drilled into my skull. And I wish I was taught a little bit more. Because... As a junior enlisted, I worked a lot. I busted my ass because I just, it came to a point where I started becoming a shitbag, but then I also became aware that, okay, either I can make something out of this enlistment or I can be a turd for the rest of my life and possibly denied re-enlistment because I'm a piece of shit. So I started working hard. Um, because in the military, obviously, you know that you can't quit. You can't just get up and put your, put in your two weeks notice and be like, hey, man, I'm fucking done because jail and uh, um, dishonorable discharge, plain and simple, because you're denying service. You're denying um, you're refusing to train. And everybody knows that that's bad. You good luck getting a job anywhere. And the point I'm trying to get is 
if you want to be effective, you need to understand what it was like for you when you were a junior enlisted. Now it took me to it took me a while to even get to the caliber of a leader that I wanted to be. Because for the longest time, I was too busy trying to be other other leaders that I knew than being myself. So I wanted to be like the guys that who were in charge of me, right? They were rough, they were tough, they didn't take shit, they got shit done. And that was that was it. So I was too busy trying to be that. But was I taking care of my guys in the right manner? I don't know. What I also didn't understand was that it's more than just getting work done. It's about their welfare. It is about their time. It is about the way you teach them. It is about how they learn. And most importantly, how you have helped them become successful in their field of work. So what do I mean by that? In their field of work, right? No matter what you're doing. For example, I was a tanker. In that in that field, it is your job as a senior lance corporal, as a corporal or sergeant, to teach your junior Marines the ins and outs of the tanks. Not just the basic nomenclature, because they learn that in, in MOS school, tank school, which is obviously not a thing anymore. Um, but it's important that you teach them that. As soon as they get to the fleet and they arrive there, boom, introduce yourself, boom, get them to work right away because they need to start learning. And it's not just, hey, motherfucker, come here. Hey, this, that. It's, have you been taught this before? Hey, I'm going to show you how to do this. Today, we're not going to focus on, let's say, um, this SL3 layout. We're going to focus on how to properly conduct 2404s or how to conduct changing out a road wheel the fleet way versus the TM way. Not saying that you shouldn't learn the technical manual way, such as pubs. Other people don't know, know them as pubs or technical manual, which is the book way. But knowing how to do it in the way that's proper, but without taking so much time. Because per every manual, there is an estimated amount of time that it should be like getting, it should, it should get done. And I wasn't doing that to the caliber that I wanted. And the reason why, and I'm not trying to point fingers at anybody, and I'm not trying to say that it was my own fault, because ultimately it is. Because as a leader, and I hope everybody under, understands this, if you want to train your Marines, you're going to do whatever you can to fucking train them. But the thing is, I was too scared to, because in the military, if you do something when you don't ask for permission, man, I swear to God, it's like the end of the fucking world. Plain and simple. But as a leader, it's your job to literally get fucking criticized and name called and shit talked because of the way you're taking care of your guys. If your guys are staying late than everybody else because they're working, but they're fucking learning, people are going to be like, oh, he's such a shitty leader. He keeps his guys so fucking late. Or if you're letting your guys go because they work their fucking tails off because you've trained them so well that they have good productivity and they're putting out. People will be like, oh, wow, he lets his guys go home early. They don't get shit done. So no matter what, as a leader, I wish I would have known this. And I, I can now learn this throughout my time in the military. Is don't be afraid to receive criticism. If you want to keep your guys late so you can teach them shit because it's important. So that when your time is done, they can say, I learned this 
because of that person and I'm going to fucking teach it to them. Then fucking do it. Don't be afraid to. If you get yelled at as a leader, you should just be get used to it because at that point, whenever something is fucked up, just know that it's your fault because it is true. A prime example of this is uh, I read a Jocko Willing's book. It's called uh, Extreme Accountability. And he says, you know, as a leader, you should never be um, – it should never be a thing to to blame the people who are under your charge. Ask yourself first, what did you do to prevent that situation? What could you have done? Did you take the time to actually teach them? Did were they understand did they understand their role in either the mission, the workday, whatever it was? If you can answer all those questions, then you've done your part. But at the end of the day, it's your responsibility to say, hey, you know what? At the end of the day, yes, he might have fucked up, but I could have definitely have to teach them that. And now you're learning. And this is your time to take to teach him how to become better. Because the last thing you want to do as a leader, and I wish I would have never been this way, whether as a corporal or as a brand new sergeant, is to never, ever scold your guys for fucking up so bad off the bat never ever do that and the reason why that's so important is throughout time you're going to realize that your guys if they fuck up they're not going to want to tell you anything they're going to try to fix it in a manner that is not right and hide it from you i, I think of this almost as like the parent, the parent effect, right? When you were a kid and let's say you broke like, I don't know, a piece of furniture, right? And you try to fix it because you know that. So like I'm old school Latino. My parents are like that. So it's like, we know if we fuck up, man, mom, and dad are coming home. They're going to kick our ass. And so we try to fix that shit and uh, glue it back together, whatever. So it, I remember I, uh, I, I was fucking around with a razor once. And I, uh, I cut a small slit in the sofas of the living room. And my dumbass tried to sew it back together. I did a pretty good job until over time that sewing became really weak. And now you can just see a small tear in the sofa, the arm. So, but that was because I was afraid to tell my mom or dad that, like, I was playing with a razor and I fucking cut the sofa. Because I know that my mom and dad would have just fucked me up. But at the same time, this does build resiliency, right? Now, talking about the leadership aspect, what could you do to mitigate these mistakes, right? So if your employee or your troop fucks up, first thing you have to do is ask, hey, man, what happened? Talk to me. Walk me step by step as to what happened, what you did, and how it became this way. If you ask that question and you ask them what had actually happened they will walk you through step by step of what they did from step one to step 1000 whatever it may be and you will see where the error the, the error happened but it, versus if you're like what the fuck man why did you do this blah, 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 and you're chewing uh chewing uh excuse me man um if you're chewing them out like yelling at them and just scolding them or belittling them they're not going to learn anything all they're going to learn is the fact that you're pissed off because they did something that they probably didn't mean to do. 
and they're just not going to learn. So this is where it's important to understand that as a leader, you need to understand what happened first before you can react. So break it down. Ask them where they went wrong. Once you ask them where they have went wrong, then you can say, what do you think you could have done differently to fix that? Or what do you think you could have done differently to mitigate that? From there, that's when you go into teaching. Now, everybody has their methods of teaching and you're teaching and you could use that time to discipline them, right? So you say, well, you messed up, so we're going to fix this. And if that means we got to stay late, if that means you and I got to sit here and work, you know, while everybody goes home, then we're going to fucking do that. Okay. So now what you're going to do, you're going to go get all the tools necessary for this. And I'm going to sit right here to make sure you don't mess that up while I watch you do it. Simple as that. So now you're taking the time to discipline said troop or employee. Now, this is not hazing at all, at fucking all. It's not hazing at all. But you're sitting there to take the time to actually teach them what is about to happen. You know, what happens when um, whatever mistake that they made. And you are using this time to discipline them. Because now, I know for a fact that if I was a junior Marine and I had an NCO or staff NCO like that who was like sitting there, just like I would have been like, fuck. I really fucked up. Because this level-headed person who's not even freaking out is probably going to use this time to fuck me up. So this is where the mindset comes in. Take the time to teach. Step one, take this. Step two, boom, 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 boom. And you go read step, do step. You go through the steps. You go through the motions. And guess what? They have now have learned. Make them do it again. Make them take it apart. Do it again as many times as they can until, guess what? They can do it on their own. Because when you allow people uh, or excuse me employees or troops to fix their mistake because you made them do it over and over again they become confident in the way to do it whether they have the manual with them or not they become so confident that they're not going to need you there and you're not just disciplining uh disciplining them you're not just scolding them but you are building the self-confidence in them because they made a mistake how are you as a leader going to help them fix it? Most importantly, how are you going to instill that self-confidence? So now they're building that self-confidence to know that this is what they can do. They just seem to, number one, either overthink it. Number two, they didn't follow the directions. Number three, they were thinking too far ahead. Or number four, they got lazy. They got complacent because everybody knows complacency kills, plain and simple. But this is where it's very important. You need to take the time as a leader to literally bust your ass and sacrifice your own fucking time, your literal fucking time to teach them in any matter, any manner that it takes. Because whether you believe it or not, any subordinate learns differently. Some are visual learners, some are quick learners, and some take months and days in individual learning. And that is for you to learn. This is where building confidence comes into play. Now, based off my personal experience, is one example I, I like to use is recruiting duty. And the reason is because that was the hardest thing I ever had to do in my military career. It put, you know, 
I, I experienced some really dark places. I experienced some really, really rough times. But what I didn't experience was a hard time in selling. I didn't experience a hard time in sales. I didn't experience a hard time in picking up the goddamn phone and saying, hey, man, I know you're, I know you're not interested right now, but let me talk to you about this. Because what I was lacking was self-confidence. And the reason I like to talk about this, and everybody's going to have, yeah, I only did recruiting duty for 18 months, so a year and a fucking half. But you know what? I'll tell you right now, I learned a lot of shit, man. Um, so listen to this. On the first three months of recruiting duty, I gave up. I gave up. The first month, I wrote a fucking contract. I wrote one. Second month, I wrote zero. Third month, I think I wrote... Um, I wrote a, I wrote a one and because I was so wrapped in the monotony of seeing all the social media influencers of all the recruiters who were out there, you know, making it look like they were hooking and fucking jabbing and seeing the other recruiters in my office who were fucking getting it and writing contracts. I was like, man, what the fuck? But what I didn't understand was the hard work that they had to put into that. So these first three months, I remember the first month I was getting out there. I was on my feet for 12, 14 hours in the day, every single day. And then that second month, I was doing the same thing, but I started just not believing in my ability to do so because I'm a person who is very natural at things. I believe I'm very natural at grasping a curriculum, grasping knowledge, grasping how to do anything. I am very natural at it. And I have this gift that I don't like to use because I become um, complacent. And this is a constant battle I have with myself. And everybody's human. Everybody has their constant battle with themselves, but that's ultimately for you to fight and fix. And this is where I was battling with myself. By that second month, when I was on a zero, I just... I was giving up, you know, the anxiety was kicking in because I was like, how am I going to get two appointments for the next day? How am I even going to write a contract when I don't, I'm not even doing good? So I started fucking quitting. And by the third month, I was ready to quit. I was ready to quit because I just would not believe in the product I was selling. I wasn't believing in my abilities to do it. And I wasn't getting out there and doing it. I was getting really complacent because I was just like, you know, it's a lost cause. I just can't. I just fucking can't. But come the third month, I remember I sat down and I talked with my old boss and he was just like, look, man, I'm going to just tell you right now. This is an independent duty. The AO is yours. There is no such thing. And I, I know a lot of people are going to have their own differences on this, but I firmly believe this because my old boss, my new boss, um, before I left, they both said it. The AO uh, doesn't make the recruiter. The AO, it doesn't matter what kind of fucking area of operation you have. It does not make your recruiter at all. The recruiter makes the AO. The recruiter, it's up to the, the job of the recruiter to go out there and make himself known. 
if you don't get out there and you're not shaking fucking hands, if you're not going to the gas station to talk to the, the, the fucking clerk for about 10 minutes and just chatting it up with them and leaving a take one stand, if you're not going to your high schools, if you're not actively just shaking hands with people and not making your face known, what are you doing for your AO? Absolutely nothing. And that's what I was not doing. I was stuck in the office, just willing to pick up this phone and just be like, hey, man, do you, are you interested in the military, all this stuff? That was me. But that wasn't doing nothing for me because it would last for like a week. And then that next week, oh, man, good luck. So I had to start believing in myself because this is where things started coming into play. I remember I woke up one morning and I saw this video by Grant Cardone and this video stuck in my head for the next month. Every morning I would play this video because of what he said. He said he's one of the, mo the most successful uh, businessmen and sales salesmen and he even teaches sales. And he said, you don't have to like your job in order to be good at it. You don't. And that's true. You don't have to like it at all. But I can be noisy, ha ha ha, or I can put points on the board. I'm going to do both. I'm going to put points on the board so that I can be fucking no uh, noisy and people will leave me the fuck alone. And guess what? I could be like, look at the board. Look at the board. Plain and simple. Now, I didn't like that. I absolutely hated that duty. I hated it with my guts. But I hated it so much that I just got good at it because I started believing in myself. And the reason why is one time my boss was like, if the phones aren't working for you and it's 10 fucking a.m., go to your damn school, talk to a fucking teacher and just sit down and chat with them. And I said, all right. I did not like going to the school simply because I did not like talking to students. I didn't like just building conversation with somebody who didn't look like they want to talk. And so I just said, all right, I'll just fucking do it. So I remember there was one teacher there who was really friendly. I never actually took the time to actually conversate with this guy. I never really talked to him at all. It was more of just like, hey, man, how you doing? Good. Good to see you. All right, cool. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. In the middle of class, it was just before lunch. It was, uh, it was one, of the one of my priority high schools that I had to go to on Thursdays. And then he's teaching his class, and um, I walked in there, and he was like, as soon as I walk in and open the door, I walk in, he goes, hey, that's Soren Benavides. Hey, everybody say what's up to Soren Benavides. All the whole class turned around, looked at me, and they're like, hey. And I was like, what the fuck? I wasn't expecting this. So I went up to him, and I was chatting with him, and I just sat down. Boss, boss mentality, all right? Boss mentality. I sat down next to him, and I was like, what's up, brother? How you doing? And he was like, good, man. So good to fucking see you. He was like, hey, you're always welcome in the class. You're always welcome here whenever you want. And I said, okay, sweet. And we just started chatting. So then for the rest of the time, he was, I, um, the, the, the students were just fucking off. It was about, I want to say, 20 minutes before uh, their lunchtime. So I just went in there and I started, started chatting with them. And we chatted for, I want to say, the rest of the lunch until his next period. And he was eating lunch. I was uh drinking a bang and we chatted about just the most random shit we chatted about alcohol we chatted about the military we chatted about his grandfather who served and we just chatted about it all 
and I was like, hey, man, look, um, if it's anything to you, I would like to come and talk to your students because he, he had a senior class and he had a, a junior class. He was an English teacher. And he was like, dude, you can come and talk to my students whenever you want. You want to talk to them next period? And I was like, yeah, fuck it. Why not? And boom, got to ended up talking to a whole class of seniors right there. And from there, I got seven leads, seven leads from that class. And now, you know what that meant for me? Seven appointments for the rest of the week. And I didn't have to worry about picking up that phone and make pointless phone calls. So when I thought of my, I thought to myself at that time was when I left his office after, or his office, uh, excuse me, his classroom after that, I thought, man, if I would have never went to his classroom because I was too scared and because uh, I was too scared of, of slipping up when trying to build conversation, I would not be in that situation right now. I wouldn't have these leads walking away in my hand. I, I would have never talked to these really cool kids if I just didn't do it. And from there, by my boss telling me that I just need to believe in myself, I to, it, I, I put it within myself that it's either I believe in myself and I just go out and fucking do it no matter how much I embarrass myself or I let the fear of this duty and just talking to people and just getting my face out there destroy me. And that's what I wanted to prevent. And I tie this into and what I want to do is kind of go on a tangent is Ed tie this into this podcast. So this podcast is kind of a was kind of a gut check for me because the last thing I like to do is listen to something I recorded because everybody knows like when you when you hear yourself talk and like a video or recording or whatever it is you're just like dude is that really me man because that shit's embarrassing but for me it was listening to myself talk because, as you know, in my previous podcast, I talk about my alcoholism and um, how much it really fucked me up and um, everything that it did to me. Um, I listen to myself talk and I'm just like, dude, I sound like a fucking idiot. And I start criticizing myself. I'm like, dude, I sound so fucking corny, dude. Like, why am I even doing this podcast? It's a, it's a reoccurring um, argument I have I have with myself because I noticed that when I talk I, I tend to get nervous and talk so fast that I stumble upon my words and I don't even finish my words at, at, at most times you know over the years I've had really good over the years especially growing up I've had really good speech um, growing up you know I've always had ghetto speech but through time I always said like if I'm gonna be anybody I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be that brown kid who has really good speech so that's what I that that was a goal I was I, I managed to hit because in in fifth grade I was reading at a twelfth grade level I had great reading but doing a little bit of research I I had to come to terms that alcohol messed with my cognitive thinking over time messed with my speech and and everything that it does because I was consuming it so much so I noticed that when I talk sometimes it sounds like I'm running out of breath when I'm not. And I have a hard time pronouncing words versus when I was younger, I was able to pronounce words like nothing. So it, it, I came, I come to terms with that stuff because I mean, these are the demons that everybody has 
And but these are my demons. And I'll tell you right now, the last thing I'm, I'm going to do is let these fucking demons take the best of me or get the best of me, whatever you want to put it. So this is where believing in yourself is extremely important. Now, back to the recruiting aspect, right? So he said, hey, man, if you want to make your AO, you have to get out there and do it. So there was one day. I remember after this ordeal that happened um, with the teacher that I want to go talk to, um, he said, hey, man, you know what? He was like, what I want you to start doing is if that's working for you, I want you to start going to AC. And I said, fuck, because the the one thing I hate doing is area canvassing. If you're a recruiter, you know what area canvassing is. So area canvassing is pretty much you as a fucking recruiter. You're going out there, whether it's a mall you're going out to a fucking parking lot, like at a Target. You're going somewhere, and you're just going to go talk to a bunch of fucking kids and respond to disinterest and see if they are interested in joining the Marine Corps. I fucking hated it. And he said, hey, I want you to go AC, and don't come back with nothing. And I said, fuck, man. And the way that I was able to learn how to build self-confidence in myself was simply by doing now doing it. Now everybody's different because some people need an example. Some people just need to be pushed into fucking doing it. So he says, "Don't come back with nothing." So I said, "Okay." I go and I AC for about three four hours. Come back with absolutely nothing. Um, and he said, "Well, you better start picking up the phones." And I was in that office till about eight to nine p.m. at night. Um. 9 p.m. at night. I mean, I didn't, I didn't even get an appointment until like 8.30 p.m. So then from there, I said, look, I sat down and talked to him. I was like, look, boss, I'm trash at acing. I'm scared. I'm too afraid to talk to people because everybody knows that the fear of reje- rejection is like, it, it puts you on your ass, man. And that's what it would do to me because... I mean, let's face it, man. Async fucking sucks. But you know what? We all got to fucking do it. So he was like, all right, you know what? I'll go with you. So he goes with me to one of the schools that I hate Async the most. And he just walks around with me. And when he walks around with me, and it was funny because he was just like, I fucking hate doing it too. But we're going to do it. I'm I'm going to show you. And he just walks around with me. And he just goes up to a bunch of these random ass kids to start shooting the shit with him. And then... He, he was looking at the way I was doing it, and I was just like, what I was doing, because I started getting self-aware of the way I sounded, and I was worrying about the way I sounded versus the way I was approaching these kids, that I started losing that confidence, and I was just like, man, fuck this. So there was one time, it was at one of my toughest schools, it was like my priority one, so everybody knows that that priority one school was like the one school that's going to give you uh, a good bucket for you to enlist a lot of young men and women. And so he goes with me and he he was watching me talk to a teacher and he was just like, he, he butts in while I'm talking to the teacher. He was like, oh, hey, uh, you, uh, you go to Chico? He was like, you've been to Chico? I was like, all right. And the teacher goes, he was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, uh, and then my boss goes, Hey man, I really want to try some. I have to go there next week, and I'm, 
probably going to look for like a little Mexican joint out there. You got any place you recommend? And he was like, yeah, this and this. And they started talking for like 10 minutes. And I'm like, what the fuck? Totally took the conversation away from me. And then after that, he was just like, all right, bro, let's take a walk. So after we take a walk together and he goes, what you're doing is think of you trying to like get laid and right like a dude trying to get laid in the club do you just go up to a chick and just be like hey girl i'm trying to fuck no you go up to the girl and be like hey i think you're really pretty how you doing and he asks you how you doing you build a conversation with her then obviously the question will slip in but you know very provocative i won't continue on with that if you find it funny then you know what cool thanks but it, it made a lot more sense because i mean it's true so what he was doing was obviously he was following the structure versus what I was doing because I was so nervous and wrapped up in how I was going to sound. He was just going by the basics. And he goes, look, man, I've seen you talk to people before. Why, why did, what made you feel like you slipped up? And I said, because I feel like I talk like a fucking idiot. He was like, no, man, you have good speech. That last class talk you did, cause he, he sat into one of my class talks. He goes, the last class talk you did, you did really good. So why don't, why didn't you believe and what you were telling him, most importantly, why did you lose faith in yourself? And I said, I don't know. And he said, look, man, if I can go up there and do it, you can too. So let's go talk to somebody else. So then he sends me up there and he was like, what I want you to do, I want you to walk into one of the teacher's classrooms and I want you to look at something that can relate to you and automatically start talking about it. And so I get said, okay. I started sweating really badly. You can see the pit stains coming on my uniform, but I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to send it. So I went into this teacher's classroom, had no idea who this teacher was, had no idea what grade these kids were even in or what he taught. And I just walked in. And as soon as I walk in, boom, I see a, uh, 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 fuck man. What was it? Uh, I'm trying to think about it. It was, uh, I think it was like a Marvel poster. And I was just like, I was like, oh, you like Iron Man? Because I like Iron Man, too. It's like one of my favorite Marvel characters. And I was like, oh, you like Iron Man? That's a sick-ass poster. And he goes, oh, yeah, man. He's like my favorite. My dad, when he was uh, – my dad, before he died, he was just like, hey, man. Um, he was like a, a big Iron Man fan, and he always loved the Iron Man shirts. And so that's why I have it on the wall because it reminds me of my dad. I was like, oh, man, that's really touching. And we talked – we ended up talking for 10 minutes. And his class had started already, and the kids were waiting for him to – to give him some kind of um, work or whatever. And we talked for 10 minutes and he goes, Hey man, I really, he was like, Hey man, I really appreciate you coming in here and talking to me. If you ever want to come talk to my class, Hey, here's my card. And I was like, what the fuck? So boom, automatically I became super confident. I wanted to go to another class. My boss calls me now. He's like, Hey man, we got to go. Come on. And I was like, fuck. So when I go down there, I look at my boss, he goes, how'd it go? I said, I went in there. He had a he had a Iron Man poster. I asked him about it. We talked for about fifteen minutes. He was like, "Yeah, bitch, I thought we were supposed to leave like fucking ten minutes ago. Now we gotta we're gonna be super late." And he was just like, "But see what happens when you fucking believe in yourself." And this is where the belief comes in, right? And this is where I begin to make my AO what it was known for to produce. And this is where my productivity started coming in. Right. So this is where you need to understand that you as a leader can give yourself, give yourself and your guys excuses or you can put them to the test. You can let them fail and you can let them build from them. You can let them learn from their mistakes. Because it's your job. To make sure they are.
good at their job. And one of the other best aspects of recruiting was learning how to be uh, a better mentor. So obviously within that job, you have your, uh, you have your pool, pool that you have to take care of. Now keep in mind, these are young men and women who decided to step up and enlist in the Marine Corps and um, decide to, to change their lives for the better. Because ultimately when we find these kids, it's never because I convinced them to. You can, you can be one of the best salesmen on the planet and you can still get a kid who is like, oh, I'll think about it and will never talk to you again. That is the beauty of this job. But every single kid you talk to has those deep, dark emotions that when you touch them, they're say, this is why I want to do it. And that's why I want to do it. It's not just the tangible things. It is the intangibles. Those intangibles are what drive action. And a lot of recruiters who are listening to this are probably going to be like, man, shut the fuck up. Do you sound like a 12? Look, man, I'm just getting to the more important part because I know somebody who's not a fucking recruiter or in the military is going to take something away from this. So this is what's so important about it. Now, as a mentor, you know that it's your job to check up on them anytime you get. When you see your employees, when you see your troops, if whether they give you the proper green of the day or what or walk in and lift the environment i feel like as a leader it should be your job to give them a positive environment if you walk in here it's like all right fucking shit i fuck this like what are your guys gonna think of you they're gonna think like man fuck man this shit looks like it's gonna suck because i know for a fact that when i was a junior enlisted marine and one of my corporals or sergeants walked in and they're like all right motherfuckers look this shit fucking sucks. Like, I don't want to, fu- I, don't, I really don't want to fucking, do it. it was just like, man. But I know for a fact that if I had a leader who came in, he was like, look, man, he's like, hey, what's up, guys? How you, how's everybody doing? Check on their welfare first. Find out how everybody's doing because you never know who's going through what. Most importantly, identify what they're good at. Identify their hobbies. And the reason why this is so important is when you identify their hobbies, you can also identify where they are really good at. What are their strong, like what are their strong points? Are they good at uh, like survival skills? If they're good at survival skills, then you know that that kid is going to be hard, and that's going to be a kid you could be rough and tough with. Versus if someone who's like good at something, you know, everybody's different, but this is just baseline, right? Let's say somebody likes to. Um, one example, watch anime. Fucking, I mean, prime experience I have with this is kid. I, I had a kid who loved watching anime and he was a really soft kid, but wouldn't be afraid to get a little dirty. So I can be somewhat rough with him. But I know if I got too rough with him, he was going to shut down and go internal. Now, going internal means like you literally just you shut down, you go quiet and you just give up. That's what going internal means. And everybody's different. So this is where you as a leader need to understand what it is to be weak. And this is something I wish I would have known how to utilize. When you understand what it is to be weak, you will understand what it is to be those under your charge who have a hard time believing in their ability to do anything. Because once you can relate and you can sit kneecap to kneecap, with 
those under your charge. It will allow them to understand that they are not the only ones who are like that. Because we all see similarities throughout our lives and the way we do anything. So that it's so important because that is the only way you can truthfully instill any self-confidence. Once you do that, then this is where the training can happen. Okay? You need to let you need to train them. You need to let them know what's going to happen. You need to let them make mistakes. Once they make mistakes, they will learn from those mistakes or they won't. If they don't learn from those mistakes, it is your job to point them out and, and correct the action. Once that you correct that action, they learn. Okay? And if they fail, guess what? Failure with failure comes success because you learn all the ways that you possibly cannot fucking do something. So understand what it is to be weak. Because when you understand what it is to be weak, you can understand how to truthfully mentor, train, and take care of your guys. And that's plain and simple. And what recruiting taught me was in the Marine Corps, yeah, you can't quit and you can't just put in a two-week notice just because you have toxic leadership or because your your NCO or your staff NCO doesn't give a shit about you. You can't. You le legitimately can't. In the civilian world, you can't. But in reality, as a recruiter, your job depends on it. So this is where the best leader in you comes out. And you could be, no matter what kind of job you have, no matter what kind of MOS you have, you, this is where you're going to learn how to be an effective fucking leader. And, our, and the reason I say this is because you are going to have to call these kids twice a week, three times a week. You are going to have to drive to their house at 10 p.m. because they said, I'm having second thoughts about continuing with this enlistment process. You're going to have to stop what you're doing if you're at Disneyland with your spouse or your girlfriend or whoever it is because a kid texts you and says, hey, uh, can I talk to you? My mom is this and that about me going to boot camp, and I don't know if I should continue with that because you're going to have to stop everything you're doing to make sure you listen to that young uh, you listen to that young man or woman and dissect what's going on so that you can help them out. And that is the bottom line. Because every leader who knows who has failed in the past, who has failed Marines, who has failed himself, and who has made also really great Marines, knows that in order to be a real good leader, you have to lead with compassion. You have to lead with intimacy. Because intimacy is what allows you to dig deep with those people and understand them emotionally, mentally, and physically. And this is what exactly what that duty taught me as much as I hated it. Because one kid who I've never met in my whole life, I had one of the most deepest conversations with. And before he left to boot camp, he says, if it wasn't for you, I don't know if I would still be alive today. Our conversation we had when you were on, when you were dropping me off back at my house at 8 p.m. at night 
changed my life and changed my view of everything. And I thank you for being my mentor. When you can impact somebody's life like that, and you can truly push them to their most full potential, then you have built the most utmost confidence in that person. And that's it. Now, are we better teachers than we are doers? Of course. Yeah, because, I mean, anybody can teach anything, but to actually do it and apply it, it's hard because it's, it's, it's always easier said than done. But to do is to do and to try is not doing anything because trying, you're just sitting there saying, well, I tried, I give up. So you can't give up. Because if you give up on yourself, you're giving up on your subordinates. You're giving up on your employees. So understand that it is your job to sacrifice your livelihood. It is your job to sacrifice your time for those who are under your charge to build the self-confidence in them, to understand that they need to understand their role in this profession, this job. It is your job to take responsibility for their failure because if they fail at anything they're doing, you are at fault for not teaching teaching them the correct way. It's plain and simple. It is extreme accountability. And it's what I learned now. And I, you know, over time, I, I can definitely swallow my pride and say I was not the best leader because I know for a fact that I... I I wish I would have mentored and took a little more time with each Marine that I served with to make them better, to leave a piece of me that leave a, a piece of me that was always hungry to want to learn and to want to be there. But this is where you have to differentiate being too hard on yourself and taking responsibility for the way you led them. You can't be, you can't be too hard on yourself or else it will burden you because at the end of the day, you could bring a horse to water, but you can't force them to drink. So this is where you got to ask yourself, did you do your part? Did you make sure that your I's were dotted, your T's were crossed, you were on your P's and Q's, and you taught them everything they need to know? And I'm not talking about babysitting them. I'm talking about making sure you took every single thing all the time out of your day, you sacrifice You sacrifice your lunches, you sacrifice your mornings, you sacrifice your late evenings when you could have been home fucking chilling on your couch, drinking a fucking beer, playing Call of Duty, whatever it is. Did you do everything you can to make sure that those under your charge can be independent and trained to the best and utmost potential? If you can answer that and you can truly look at yourself in the mirror and say, I did my fucking part. So that when people criticize you, as they always will, you know that they're just fucking wrong. If you can answer that and willfully and truthfully know that, then you have no reason to be hard on yourself. But do not, and I cannot stress this enough, do not stress yourself out over it. Because in the military, you're always going to have people under your charge. And those people will come and go. 
but it doesn't mean you as a as an NCO, as a staff NCO, whoever it is, any kind of leader, as a supervisor, as a boss, whatever it is, do not let that change the leadership aspect. We all have standards, we all have roles, we all have jobs we have to do, and we need to make sure that everything we learn, we can apply it and teach it to make sure that when it comes time for these young men and women to take over our spots, they are better than us. They are not us, but they are better than us. And obviously, if you want to instill self-confidence within anybody, you have to believe in yourself first before you can allow your subordinates to believe in themselves. Because if you're not, if you don't believe in yourself and what you're teaching, if you don't believe in yourself and the way you train them, then how are you even allowing them to believe in you? They're not going to trust you. And when they don't trust you, they're, they're going to feel lost. And guess what? They're not going to feel confident within themselves. Bottom line. So in conclusion with this, don't be afraid to do things out of the ordinary. Don't be afraid to be different. Don't be afraid to get criticized. Don't be afraid to get called names, to get bashed by hire, to get bashed by your peers. And don't be afraid to call out bullshit. I'll tell you that much. Hold everybody accountable. But most importantly, hold yourself accountable. And be able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I did everything I possibly could. And don't ever, I could say this now, don't ever look at any of your any of your troops or employees as a lost cause. Nobody is a lost cause because you'd be surprised. You would be very surprised. The most just, how do I say this? The most dense and lost person who is working for you can be the most reliable and hardworking individual once you get them to apply themselves. You would be surprised because I've seen it before. And it all begins with you pushing them. You need to push them to their limit. And I, I often think about this like boot camp. Everybody knows in boot camp, they, it was, they would strip us of everything and they would break us down. They would literally belittle us. But it was a process, right? And they would break us down so much to the point where you would see recruits such as myself go internal and they would cry. They would give up they would um discharge and they would just say fuck this but then that is when they would start to lift you up you need to break them down to their absolute limit so that when you build them up they will start to believe in themselves because you're not doing all the work they're doing all the work and that is the only way anything will, will persevere. And I believe it's probably one of the best methods in the world as anybody who knows this that is successful. You, If you're not pushed to your absolute limit, you're never going to be confident in what you're doing. So, with that being said, 
I know I kind of went into a rabbit hole and I, I apologize if um, you feel like I, I may have went a little off topic or anything like that. If you feel like it was hard to follow, please let me know. But I promise I won't go this long without a podcast, but understand that I'm not going to make it a priority to to drop a podcast every single week as I want to make sure that I'm giving the listeners substance. I'm giving the listeners something they need to listen to so that they can learn through personal experience, right? And I want to make sure that everybody can take something from this because I like to talk about these things because there are things that I often talk to myself about. And I'll just say this right now. If you don't talk to if you don't talk to yourself about things that you feel are really important, you're weird. Because I think everybody should talk to themselves at one point in time. You know, whether you're in the shower, you're on the toilet, or if you're like on a run or you're on a drive, like just talk to yourself. Have a conversation to yourself about what you feel about this topic or that topic. And I guarantee you, you'll be like, man, I really didn't know that about myself. And you begin to unlock these weird parts of your brain that you never knew you had and you become more knowledgeable about these things. And it's crazy. But I promise I won't go too long without making another podcast. And um, I appreciate every single person who's taking time out of their day to listen to it. Um, And most importantly, um, just make sure you always stay murdery. Thanks, guys.